All right, guys. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, depending on where you are. Give me just one moment to get everyone on the screen. And here we are, live, on LinkedIn, ready for another Friday Fraudster, Fraud on Friday, spending time on Fridays talking about fraud with friends, whatever we're going to call this thing eventually. Today, we have with us Kelly, our pink collar crime expert. Google it. Pink collar crime is not what you think. We have Joe, our ethics expert. She will tell you where your organization went wrong ethically and how to fix it. And then there's little old me. I'm your process guy. When something is broken, I can help you fix those broken processes. Today, guys, we are going to have fun. One of the first things we're going to talk about today is something that happened in the great state of Colorado. I love Colorado. Joe happens to live in Colorado. <laughs> Joe, how's the weather in Colorado? It is actually a beautiful day in Colorado today. So it's actually supposed to be 82 here on Monday, if you can believe that. Oh, wow. Now, yep. that is amazing. If you guys have never been to Colorado, it is known for mountains and lots and lots and lots of snow. <laughs> So, guys, today we're going to just jump right in. And one of the first stories we're going to talk about is the state of Colorado. They had an audit that found massive frauds or massive deficiencies in their unemployment benefits program. So let's add a little context for this conversation, because I know we have some friends that are visiting us from, well, across the pond. We have some friends in the UK. We have some friends in Southeast Asia. So. In the U.S., you, you get unemployment benefits if you are laid off or terminated from your job. And we all know that when COVID happened, a lot of people got laid off. And so during that time period, the state of Colorado was, well, they were handing out benefits to people, which is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. People needed help and the state was there to help. Now, the auditors are coming in after the fact and looking at some things. And there are a few things that that uh, come to light within this story. <clears throat> We're just going to talk about a few. First. Let's get us right over here. First, the department said that it estimated that it overpaid overpaid two point one billion dollars in unemployment benefits to people in the state. Um, the accountants couldn't provide documentation to justify many of the amounts that were paid out. Now, what the state auditors, what they told the state auditors what that is that it was impossible to determine how widespread the problems are. All of these things sound really, really bad. So for those of you who don't know how this works, you have some things on your income statement and your balance sheets. Some of those things are estimates. So they had to estimate how much money they were paying out. And it says they calculated the amounts and put them on the financial statements, but they were unable to verify if that amount was really appropriate. Um, this is pretty bad, especially when you consider it's to the tune of two billion dollars. And isn't it crazy that it might not even be that $2 billion? It might be way more than that $2 billion. There's so it might be. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. While we're highlighting Colorado, this is not just Colorado's problem. We've had it in Oregon and Washington. So just multiply 2 billion times 50 states. Again, it's a lot of money. But one thing that I want to bring up that you 
kind of hit on Robert was we had to get money or the government had to get money out quickly. We needed to have less friction. But then, you know, people kind of get in the, well, I want a piece of that pie too. So there's the, there's the friction literally between people saying, well, I want a piece of it and the government actually helping people that really truly need it. Yeah. And can I just uh, play off? Kelly just used one of my favorite ethics words. Did you get that from me? <laughs> I always call friction a blind spot to our ethics because that's even what technology companies cite as why they are not focusing on data privacy or data security as much. They want their products to be usable for the consumer. So they are accepting this risky technology and they are citing friction. They say, sorry, people, we have to worry about friction and, and we have to accept that our product has some risk. And I always say that's an, that's an ethical blind spot to technology companies. I think it's exact same as Kelly said with government. They just said, we just got to get the money out the door. We got to make this process easy. You know, because and so they tried to eliminate the friction, but then that became an ethics and a fraud problem. People saw that gap and they took advantage of it. That's what right, we so let's add a little bit more context to this. So the, the news report says that when the fiscal year ended last year on June the 30th, the Labor Department had a backlog of two hundred and six thousand claims involving eighty two thousand people. So. When last year during the pandemic, they were already backlogged with processing unemployment benefits. And what happened was the, the governor said, listen, you guys, we want you to get this, this money to the people. We want you to get the claims out the door. So now you don't have to verify the accuracy nor the legitimacy of these claims. So what the governor actually did was he circumvented any type of internal controls you would normally have in place to prevent and or detect fraud from occurring. And in the middle of this, people were fraudulently applying for unemployment benefits, not just in their own names, but they were they saw a spike in identity theft. They were using other people's identity to apply for uh, unemployment benefits. Yeah. And, and can you can we just say that, again, that the title of this is COVID frauds? What could happen to your company? Well, think about your leaders that are potentially getting rid of those controls, just like the governor did, because they have to to change immediately, change the way we do things, you know, market their product different, sell their product different. And they probably have circumvented some sort of control. So obviously, you know, for the auditors on here, that's that's what we've got to look for. That's the type of uh, type of circumvention we we need to be keeping our eye out for. Well, yeah. Pat Bruder just said um, there's no such thing as a victimless crime. Totally. The problem was like insurance fraud. And I'm going to put this in with insurance fraud is people say I've been paying into for it for so long that like it's just my turn to get it out. Well, that is such the wrong mentality. But people that's rationalization. rationalization, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rationalization. And so insurance fraud, you know, this unemployment insurance fraud, people just they feel it's owed to them. Yeah. Well, and I'll do you one better now. So Mark said, good luck getting that money back. Well, the governor said that they weren't going to pursue 
getting the money back. So even those people who fraudulently received money, nothing will happen to them. And I'm sure that they've learned their lesson now because they were rewarded for doing a crime and they'll never. I'm just, OK, you guys can see the sarcasm right there. <laughs> Kelly just started laughing. But yeah. So what do you guys think about that? No, no punishment for the crime, not even pursuing it to see if you need to uh, um, get the money back from certain individuals. He's just said, you guys can keep it. It's not worth our time and effort and energy to go after you all. Yeah, it's setting a bad precedent, right? I mean, like we're talking about, um, I talk about needing to put examples of breaches of ethics in your ethics policy because you need to make people aware of what happened, what accountability they had, what actions you took so that you prevent things from happening in the future. And this uh, sadly, hopefully won't prevent or sadly won't prevent, not hopefully, anything like this happening again. The opportunity was there, right? I mean, fraud triangle. We got the opportunity. We've got the pressure. We've got the rationalization. Everything was there. And it was like the perfect storm. Well, and another thing that like, you know, low hanging fruit, maybe the governor changes his tune and says, you know what, we're going to start going after him. And you're going to get someone who's like, why are they picking on me when, you know, so-and-so stole so much more. I mean, I've had cases where they're like, but I, you know, someone in the C-suite did this exact same thing and they weren't held to the same standard. Well, you know what? The fair only comes once a year and it did, didn't come during COVID. Hey, Emily says that identity fraud related to unemployment claims are happening in Nevada too. Everyone. Hey, Emily, long time no see. Yeah. And can I just say thank you to actually someone who watched us last Friday who sent us this. So you guys send us more of these uh, because, I, you know, it was really fun getting that email and seeing that. And unfortunately, that same person was a victim of identity theft uh, and, you know, had an unemployment claim filed on her behalf. And it was it was a mess, as you can imagine. So um, these are things as as individuals, we obviously need to look out for as companies we need to look out for there's so many different angles of this so i just wanted to give a shout out and thank you that person knows who they are <laughs> now mark says if they pursue it it will become evident the total screw up by the government you know let's address this for a moment because it really was a total screw up because you've circumvented all internal controls and so I started thinking about this because you guys know I'm the process guy, right? So I started thinking, we're now estimating 2.1 billion with a B, folks, not million, B, billion dollars lost. How much would it have cost you to hire personnel, train them quickly in order to put the controls in place? I'm I'm betting less than 2.1 billion. So you probably could have put a really good process in place. And again, it's easy for us to play Monday morning quarterback or Friday afternoon quarterback. That's real easy to do. So I will say that. But it would have cost you less to hire more people. And you can't say that you didn't have a talent pool available because the unemployment rate was skyrocketing, which is why people were filing for unemployment benefits. So you had people ready to work, but yet we chose to not put controls in place and allow this theft to occur. Wait, Robert, you're saying that we shouldn't have just put a Band-Aid on something? That we should have had a long-term vision versus a short-term strategy? Is that what you're saying? Oh, wait, and then here's my other thing. You mean we should have been proactive versus reactive? Like, do you want me to keep going? Because, like, I took 
on here about like now we're doing after the fact auditing to detect what already went wrong. Why were we not in front of this doing, you know, preventative measures? This is what drives me crazy about every every company out there, basically. Pennywise right. pound foolish. Anyone? Pennywise pound foolish? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, thank you, Mark. Mark says he doesn't think it's Monday morning quarterback and it's just simply long range contingency planning. It's it's trying to teach. It's trying to learn from the lessons. Right. To say this isn't this isn't how we should be should be doing it going forward. At least we're, we're learning. Now, Emily brings up a really good point. Those that remember this story, they will find the next opportunity, especially with no consequences. Because okay. imagine the next time there's like a hurricane Katrina or an avalanche or a volcano that explodes somewhere. People are going to say, well, you know what? Hmm. They didn't do anything with these folks. And now it makes you wonder, though, have we now set a precedent to where people will try and argue that they should not be pursued for crimes because we didn't pursue this one. Okay, so I have the best quote. And I'm going to say whoever says, who wrote this quote, I'll send him a book of mine. There is no kind of dishonesty into which otherwise good people more easily and more fre frequently fall than that of defrauding the government. Okay, who said that? I think I know, but I will agree my mouth. Okay, you can't, I got to exclude you. <laughs> there is no kind of dishonesty into which otherwise good people more easily and more frequently fall than that of defrauding the government. And I'm going to tell you, it's not in the 20th century or the 21st century. So you can Google who's the fastest Googler who wants Kelly's book. It's right, right. <laughs> if you can drop the answer in the comments here, you can you can automatically have Twain. a win. Not Mark hey. Twain. Hey, Kelly, while we're talking about this, doesn't it remind you of Dan Ariely's book, The Honest Truth About Dishonesty? He talks about consequences a lot in that book. And, you know, I think uh, to Emily, I think it was that had the comment about consequences. You know, that's a winner. Wait. Oh, who won? Who got it? Keel Keely Gold, Benjamin Franklin. Yahoo! I will send you a book, Keely. Keely is a great ethics instructor here for the Colorado Society of CPAs, too. So ah. thank Keely for being on. Yeah, awesome. But it's so true. I mean, this is one of my hashtags. Hashtag honest people steal. You know? Well, and I want to go back to a point that Dan is making here. Dan says, remember, they're all politicians. Now, what I don't want to do is bash politicians. So let's get down to what's the root of this. There are two things. The root is most of them probably really did care. And they said, we want the people to get the money. And when you want people to get money, a lot of times you, you do things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. However, there is a bit of self-serving in this as well. If I don't keep my people happy, they won't reelect me. So you have those two things that are going on that are competing in someone's mind. But yeah, that is one of the issues with political pressure instead of doing the right thing. And so now I want to kind of segue into something else, which is right up you guys' wheelhouse. Surely there had to be someone in the administration that said, listen, Governor, uh, this is probably not a good idea for us to not check or verify. I haven't heard anything about a whistleblower yet or anyone who tried to warn uh, the governor, but surely there had to be someone. You know, what do you guys think about that? Well, I personally, I agree. I think that usually there's there's 
any problem that's out there, someone knows, right? You know, willful blindness, There, somebody knows. I, I usually put up who else knew on my screen sometimes with a lot of these frauds because there is a lot of people. But I want to talk about blind spots again uh, because one of the blind spots in our ethics is to leaders and authority figures. And I think that hits on the governor. And then I think another blind spot that you just kind of before you transitioned, Robert, was pleasing customers. So pleasing the people, that can be a huge blind spot. I mean, this takes me back to the Challenger shuttle uh, explosion in 1986. We wanted to please the government. We wanted to please America, society. We wanted to please NASA. You know, we ignored the engineers saying the shuttle might explode. So, I mean, yes, this is a completely different scenario, but you know, think about those blind spots in this situation. Every time I hear you guys talk, that's what I'm hearing. So, yeah. Now, Keely says her husband works for a local government and they see a lot of fraudulent claims and lawsuits. Even if the government prevails, there is a lot of money lost defending it. Yes, I 100 percent agree. I think what I'm wondering is, though, in this particular case, we know that it's at least two point one billion with a B. Would we have spent less actually controlling the process? Because, yeah, they, you know, in America, you can sue anyone for anything. And those lawsuits cost money. And sometimes it's cheaper to settle out of court. So, yeah, I, I agree with that 100 percent. Can I give a quick plug for a TQM principle that I think would apply here? Oh, yeah. So my my dear friend, uh, W. Edwards Deming in TQM, uh, I wrote down his quote just so I wouldn't get it wrong. Let me make sure I can find it here. Essentially, what that where did I put it? Uh, inspection uh, is too late, ineffective, and costly. So, you know, I think that goes right to your point, Robert. Like, you know, he was throw out the inspection department, work in those quality processes along the way, controls along the way. That's the point. I mean, that's what successful uh, government, successful companies Im implement strategies like TQM because throwing out the inspection department's what you need to do, which is why auditors get a little scared of me sometimes because I, I tell them the work we're the best auditors are working themselves out of a job. You yes. know, want your company to to do the right thing along the way, and that's a, right to your point that we could have they could have saved so much just doing the right thing. It's too late, ineffective, and costly what was done. So it's sad. It really is. It It is very sad and wasteful. I think Pat is disagreeing with me. Uh, politicians spend our money like it's no big deal. And Mark actually agrees with Pat. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's another thing going to Ariely. And, you know, everyone knows I love his movie, The Dishonesty Project. But when people... Um, turn in the sort of test for tokens and walk 10 feet for it, they cheat more. Again, this is kind of like politicians. They're kind of like playing with tokens and not real money. If they had to carry that $2.1 billion, our brains, they just, it's like, oh, it's just a line, you know, it's a line item. No, it's not a line item. And that's our brains are like, it's a line item when it's not really a line item. Yeah, exactly. Hey guys, you got to love hell. Prevention, detection, deterrent. Oops, zero for three. <laughs> and, and, you know, th this is what's interesting about this situation, because literally you do have three ways to uh, um, combat fraud. You can prevent it, you can detect it or you can deter it. And they failed on all three fronts. It takes Hal to give us a really good comical uh, take on a situation. Thanks, Hal. <laughs> this is um, great. 
hey, if, I don't know if, about the audience, but if they want to know about that next one, about the mansion and the cars, because I think that's a perfect transition, uh, Robert, if you want to, to just talk about that for our last like five or six minutes, because, uh, you know, talk about not preventing the PPP loan uh, frauds, just much like unemployment frauds that are out there. Uh, none of these three things were happening there either. And I kept going, where were the controls? Where was the checking that this was a real company before we're giving out PPP loans? Again, they could have saved so much money, but instead this guy gets to buy a mansion. So Rob, give us this uh, summary on this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you did a wonderful job. Uh, Florida man, he used millions of dollars from PPP loans to buy mansions, three luxury cars. And this is what the feds say. Now, he had a company that he created and he, Magnifico. He, yes, that was it. The company was called Magnifico. And he said that the company had X number of employees and generated X number of millions of dollars per month. And now the government is saying that this is not true. Yeah. So I looked at him at LinkedIn and he had a profile and you know what? I have like three connections to him, three like second connections. I got to reach out to those connections to ask him. Like the other thing, he went to law school. I don't think he's like been a practicing attorney, but um, you guys know me in horses they had horses. He had a, like, you know, horses. He also had like an English pub in the house. I mean, this is just obscene. Like, it's absolutely obscene. That are these all, honestly are the these name all of other pink flags, Kelly? I was going to ask you. I wrote that down. I was like, <laughs> is the name of a company cannot be like a pink flag or a red flag for some of these fake companies? Or, but yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. The tennis courts, the bunk room. Uh, the private library with the spiral staircase in the house. Those were all, that's crazy. Yeah. So, so check out what the story says from USA Today. Um, it says that he was indicted. So he was actually indicted this week in federal court accused of spending $7.2 million from the PPP uh, loans. And let's see. Oh, there was something in here that I really highlight. Here it is. He's accused of saying that the company had 441 employees with an average payroll of $2.8 million per month. Now, they're saying he's accused of that. So we don't know if, if it actually had any employees at all. But let's just run down for some people who don't know the indictment process and how that happens. So what happens is, um, let's see, let me make sure I get this right. So initially... There's evidence that's gathered and it's taken to a grand jury to, to see if there's enough evidence to warrant you going to case, going to trial. So he was indicted, which means he went through a grand jury, a jury of his peers looked at all the evidence and said, OK, there is enough evidence for us to go to trial. Now, that doesn't mean that he was guilty. It also doesn't mean that he was innocent. But what it does mean is that some people have seen the evidence and they believe that it should be looked into further. So he has been indicted. So um, Keely asked about, is your thing about uh, horses because of Rita Cronwell? Well, Rita Cronwell is one, but there's also Melissa King. Anyone who's ever had a horse thing knows how expensive horses are. Um, he apparently had like, the house had like a five stall barn. I just pick on horse owners because I, I mean, anyone have a horse and made money off of it? I mean, Rita Cronwell didn't. She had to steal $53.7 million. And yes, Marks, I, as I was a special agent, we always said you can indict a ham sandwich. 
But um, yeah, and Emily's Benford's Law and Faint Company names. We need Mark Negrini for this. We need, uh, yeah, uh, Trent's going to help us uh, on our challenge the end of April, I think, analyze text uh, with Daddy Analytics. So I don't know where he's going with that, but that's what made me think about it with fake names, too. Hey, now, you know, that's a great segue into, so you guys, everyone that's listening at the end of this month, Joe, what is the exact date? I think it's April the 26th through the 30th, Monday through Friday, one hour a day. Monday through Friday, we are doing the Innovative Auditor Challenge. It is one hour of CPE per day for five days. The price is actually just right for you guys. It's $25 and you get to see some great speakers. Uh, you get to see Joe. Trent. I don't know if you guys know Trent, but he owns Green Skies Analytics. It's a data analytic company. Michelle Fowler. Um, and, and then there's some guy, some guy that we just, I don't know who this other guy is. Some guy named Robert Barry. Yeah. He'll be presenting something and you you might want to skip his session. And then Dana Lawrence will be with us. Did I miss anyone, Joe? Not this time. Yep. And Kelly will probably be a special guest on Friday as eventually <sighs> on our challenge. We're hoping. So, yeah. Oh, boy. And we're calling it the Innovative Auditor Challenge because we're bringing together some innovative folks. We have a lot of different topics. I'm speaking on active listening for internal auditors. Trent is doing data analytics. Uh, Joe, what are you doing? I'm doing uh, remote auditing in our remote world, how to use surveys efficiently and effectively and better uh, in this world that we're in now. So. That's great. Hey, we got one LinkedIn user that's just coming in as LinkedIn user. They asked what time? What time is the innovative auditor challenge? I oh, think it's, okay. uh, it's um, 11 to 12 mountain time. So if that helps. So that's uh, what 12 for you, Robert Central, one yes. Eastern. I got it. And then 10 Pacific time. So yes. And it is. Yes, Michelle, it's 25 bucks for five CPE. It's the best deal out there. Uh, you can also pay like an extra 20 bucks to get the replays in case you miss a day. So, yeah, it's All great. right. So Emily is saying Dana, so she'll be there. Emily, what about me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what am I? Just nothing. <laughs> I thought we were friends. <laughs> so one interesting thing, and I can't remember his name right off the top of my head. He is tracking, um, he's tracking PPP COVID fraudsters in a spreadsheet and I'm like, oh, I'm trying to, but you know what's interesting is um, I said, are you tracking it by gender? Cause you know, I'm all kind of got gender and um, men are just, they're excelling at PPP fraud compared to the women. Yeah, and maybe one. next week I can pop up his spreadsheet. I'll ask him, I just can't think of who it is, but that I think is kind of interesting along with it. You know, it's position, not gender, but the men are really excelling in the, as it wait, what did um, Hal call it? He called it something like padding payroll. Oh wait, padding personal pocketbooks. Yeah, love that. The PPP yep. padding personal pocketbooks. Hal, that is awesome. Well, that that makes me feel better because you know when Elizabeth Holmes got named number one over Bertie Madoff uh, at a women's conference I did, I was like, ladies, this is not where we want to be number one, like in 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 the fraud <laughs> world. So thanks for making me feel a little bit better there, Kelly. That was good. I will, and I'm looking to see if I can find his name. Oh, Jim Richards. Yeah, wow. Jim Richards, and he's on LinkedIn. Um, he is the founder and principal of RegTech Consulting, and he is tracking all this stuff. Wow, that's cool. 
All right. So when it comes to the innovative auditor challenge, we we will be posting about it on LinkedIn. We have a group set up for it on LinkedIn as well. So I'll shoot that out to some people who have an interest in it. Otherwise, you can email me. I'm always on LinkedIn responding to people. I feel like that's my second or third job at some point. And Emily, I don't know what you're laughing at. This is not funny. And the unknown LinkedIn user is my buddy Pozo. I always mess up her first name. So I called her. So I call her by her last name. Pozo, you got to fix those privacy settings so that people can see your picture and know who you are. <laughs> so, yeah, guys, this has been fun. We've talked about two different frauds when it comes to COVID. Now, here's what I would ask for you guys to do. First, if you see things in the news that you want us to talk about so that we can all have the discussion, email either one of us. We all respond and we all talk regularly because this was fun, wasn't it? If you have fun, drop a yes. We had fun in the chat. Just drop a yes in the chat for me. I don't want some people might be, you know, <laughs> your fingers might not be that fast. If you had fun, drop a yes in the chat for me. Look for the LinkedIn event. What I'm doing is uh, I'm having the LinkedIn event set up and you guys will be notified uh, when this event is occurring. But then also what you can do is go to my LinkedIn profile and it'll say Robert Berry is live. And that's how you'll know that the event is live. If you would like to see these videos on YouTube, let us know because I am recording these and we may actually drop them on YouTube. I know now I want to give a special shout out. I know I'm taking up a lot of time, you guys. I want to give a special shout out, shout out to the group Auditors Without Walls. They're over in Southeast Asia. Right now, it's like mm, 2 a.m. for them. But they want to watch the replay, and they will be able to see the replay. Ooh, a lot of people saying yes. Somebody saying, oh, that's Pozo again. I'm quite active on LinkedIn. Yes, I am. I feel like it's my second or third job. Yes, and easy peasy. Men leading. <laughs> Oh, boy. So, you guys, hey, there's Amy. Hey, Amy. So, you guys are liking this, and we're glad because we just want to bring you what it is that you like. So, what I want to do before I close out is Joe and Kelly, tell the people where they can find you if they want your services or if they just want to say hi because Joe just had a birthday. You see the balloons and stuff in the background. So, Kelly, where can we find you? Um, LinkedIn, Kelly Paxton, pinkcollarcrime.com or Twitter, PDXCFE. All right, Joe, where can we find you? LinkedIn's the best place. I answer messages all day like Robert does probably. And you can also email me at joe, just J-O, at auditconsultingeducation.com. And the best place to find me is LinkedIn or thatauditguy.com, thatauditguy.com. All right, guys, we will see you next week. Thank you for hanging out with us for 30 minutes. Your time is valuable. We're going to not take up any more of it. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.